Philly Built is brought to you by phillyzoning.com, which is powered by Anastasio Law, a boutique zoning and real estate law firm located in the Rittenhouse Square neighborhood of Philadelphia. We did well to a certain extent. We certainly built the visitor or destination economy. Um, We built, in my time as mayor, we built 19 new hotels. All the restaurants that grew up uh, in the 90s, we could probably name the number of decent restaurants in Philadelphia on two hands. Now, there are hundreds of them. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Philly Built. I'm Vern Anastasio of Anastasio Law. Well, you know, if we talk to urban planners and traffic experts and other real estate professionals, there are lots of reasons to question the Philadelphia 76ers plan to build a basketball arena on East Market Street. But is a master plan to gobble up property and launch cultural genocide against an entire Philly neighborhood really one of them? Well, if you ask today's guest, it most certainly is. We have Debbie Way of Asian Americans United right here and right now on the third season premiere of Philly Built. Debbie Way of Asian Americans United, welcome to Philly Built. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. I want to jump right into your work, uh, organizing and rallying against the Philadelphia 76ers proposed arena for East Market Street. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is Chinatown adjacent. And, you know, I've been following it relatively closely. And I think we need to start with how it all rolled out, how they initially presented this. Is it me or was it, did they just stumble right out of the gate? They definitely stumbled out the gate. They did not uh, do this the way that any other project we've been um, presented with has happened in the past. Usually people will come to the community and say, we are thinking of doing something and we have a few sites in mind and we want to test this out and see what you all think of it. Um, that is not what happened. Um, we found out about it the way most people in Philadelphia found out by a press release Um And it wasn't an announcement, it was a pronouncement. It was, we are building this, um, full stop. I do understand that Philadelphia Chinatown Development Corporation, one of the organizations in Chinatown, got like a 24-hour notice before this pronouncement was made. 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, Who was doing their PR? I mean, it sounds like public relations malpractice. I don't know who's doing their PR. Um, I do know that they are, they'll say things like, we're, that it doesn't matter because we're not in Chinatown. Now, uh, most Philadelphians, if you've been around, know that we fought off a baseball stadium in 2000. We fought off a casino in 2008 and again in 2013. Um, All three of those projects were much further away from the heart of Chinatown than this project. This project literally abuts our first business. It's like a row house to our first business. Um, None of those, yeah, none of them ever said we're not in China. 
Yeah, never of right. none of them ever said we're not in Chinatown. None of them ever claimed when we said no stadium in Chinatown, no casino in Chinatown. None of them claimed that we were um, like incorrect in saying those things. Right. It's uh, technically, I guess, speaking, the seventy-six place proposal is for East Market Street uh, on the. I believe it's between eleventh and. 10th and 11th between Market and Cuthbert. So that must have put you all on your heels pretty quickly, right? Yeah. um, We're, unfortunately, we're used to um, these types of announcements coming out. um, And we are wary of projects of this size because it really can, we're, we're a community, we're a neighborhood. And imagine any neighbors in Philadelphia having an arena placed like say in the middle of their <laughs> let's say we're going to take this playground and we're going to put an arena on this block um i i think people in Philadelphia would understand our our concern um and uh they did not have any public meetings in Chinatown um they started having small one-on-one meetings but we asked them to come and speak to the entire community. Um, we were waiting. We waited from July till December. They didn't announce it, but in December they tried to sneak legislation into a bill that would have closed Filbert Street, and we caught it. And so we called a town meeting and we invited the Sixers to come. Um, the, none of the developers came to the open town meeting. They sent their DEI guy which is, you know, kind of insulting, but um, that is, was and is the only public meeting they've ever had in Chinatown. One of the reasons why this site is, I suppose, in the crosshairs for a development like this is because of the utter failure of what's, what's there now, um, which is the fashion district, which basically is just a mall that very few people actually go to. Um, and as you know, uh, on, you know, on the sides of that district, uh, the fashion district, there are lots of empty storefronts. Uh, mm-hmm. When the fashion district was proposed, was there any concern? At, uh, because it was supposed to be a very large mall. At one point, it was you know, the gallery itself, which was the largest urban mall in America. Uh, and were there concerns about uh, congestion and rising values of, of and rising rents and those types of concerns that you currently have about 76 place were those concerns uh, uh, real with the coming you know new urban mall um, there were concerns with the mall mostly because it was a large concrete block um, fronting our neighborhood but we had been, um, we had already had the expressway built through us, through the community. Um, there was not as many concerns about gentrification at that time when the gallery was built, uh, pretty much because um, we were not considered center city. Chinatown was built in an area of the city that was considered highly undesirable. Um, and in fact, the only place that Chinese were allowed to live. And um, 150 years ago, when Chinese first came, and so really, it was uh, 
the immigrant Chinese to Philadelphia that created a community out of an undesirable location. If you've been around long enough, you'll know that that used to be um, Skid Row, used to be the uh, red light district. Um, And it used to be home to Chinatown and its families. Um, Over time, Chinatown has developed um, the community into a community that serves the needs of its uh, people. And and Center City has decided to grow, and suddenly we became part of Center City. Um, th- when the gallery was built, I don't think we were considered Center City quite yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, we didn't envision the gentrification situation that we have now. You know, when you visit Chinatown, it is a very special place. Uh, and I suppose what I glean from the opposition is that um, you don't want the place to change. And if you do, it's uh, at least change in a positive direction. How would 76th Place uh, change Chinatown negatively? Um, We see 76th Place as an existential threat. Um, The existence of Chinatown, we're pretty confident, would no longer... (laughs) Chinatown wouldn't exist. Um... As you said, there's like a hundred, at least 150 small businesses in Chinatown. Um, uh, Dominic Vitello, a professor of urban planning at Penn, says that there's 400 small businesses in the immediate area. Um, when our our community lives and dies by small business, and um, and it's important that while we have 4,000 residents, Chinatown is also the center for social, religious, emotional um, life for Asian Americans in the tri-state region. It's the only truly Asian community that exists in the immediate area. So people come, many people who view Chinatown as their home or their community don't live there. They can't afford to. They There's no place to live anymore. So, but that is still considered home. I myself don't live in Chinatown. I live in walking distance, um, but that's been my home for like 30, 40 years now. Um, I think when you have a, a project of that size, what will happen first is the six years of construction, which also is uh, environmentally impactful on the community. We've already taken the Vine Street Expressway. We've already taken the commuter rail tunnel. We've already taken the convention center. All told, Chinatown has lost between 25 and 40% of its area by those three projects alone. Um, A project the size of this arena, which will be empty and dark 220 days a year, and then packed with with people in a very small, compact period of time of a few hours, would um, create like congestion and traffic difficulties that will kill our businesses. Um, If the six years of construction don't kill the businesses, which we think they will. Um, Because Chinatown relies on regular uh, customers and largely Asian American customers from around the region, um, it relies on people being able to get in and get out, find parking, 
Um, a lot of our businesses, most people are familiar with the restaurants. They live and die by being able to get their deliveries on time. Um, but a lot, all of our retail depends on deliveries. Now, if you're anybody that runs a small business knows if your deliveries can't get through, you, your business is going to die. If your customers can't get through, your business dies. And since COVID, the restaurant industry in Chinatown um, has relied about 30% on delivery and takeout. So that means for takeout, you need to find a quick parking space, be able to jump in, grab your food and go. For delivery services, it means you have to be able to get in. Um, when that becomes impossible, then our businesses will be forced to shut down. And when our businesses are forced to shut down, the community no longer has people coming into it. Um, and that's what will eventually kill it. Are there not ways to mitigate any of these things? Or is this truly you know, predatory development that will destroy Chinatown? I... Look, these three guys that are developers, Edelman, Paris, and Blitzer, they run equity companies that are based uh, – they do a lot of stuff, but largely they're real estate developers. They're not a bunch of, you know, big sport bros, um, except that, you know, for vanity project's sake. And we believe they're coming for our land. You know, they this these uh, equity – uh, financialized housing equity markets look constantly for what they call undervalued properties, and they look to scoop them up and turn them into condominiums and rentals uh, so that they can trade that housing on Wall Street. Um, we, you know, th this looks, sure looks like, smells like, tastes like predatory development. So it isn't just the arena, which will up the value of the team so that Harris Blitzer Entertainment can sell it for a much higher price. Um, but it is definitely uh, I to try to take our, our real estate, um, which how, is... How, how, would they, how would they do that, though? I mean, you, it, doesn't, doesn't there have to be a willing seller? What would happen is if the businesses close, they would have to sell, right? Um, they would get pennies on the dollar. All the all the studies that have been done on arenas that have been developed in, in urban areas show that when the arena is built, there is an initial drop in the value of price around the area. And then there are people that come in, take advantage of that, buy out the people that are living there, and then reconfigure it um, and build around it so that then it becomes gentrified. And that's happened in arena after arena across the country. You could look at Barclay Center. You can look at DC. Um, you can look at LA. It's, it's just a regular feature of these kinds of developments. Walk me through. I own nine, let's say I own 935 Race Street. I'm a Chinese American. I own 935 Race. Uh, city values it at just under a million dollars. Uh, I have about seven hundred and fifty dollars, thousand dollars in equity because I purchased the property for three hundred twenty years ago. It's zoned CMX five, which, as you know, what that you know that what that means. I have a viable first floor noodle restaurant, several apartments above. I generate close to between six and ten thousand dollars a month in income. Why would I sell? To anybody, I don't. I don't. That's. I would. I help would me, help us connect the dots. I would lose my tenants. 
I would lose the little noodle shop because no one will go there anymore. It will be impossible for me to find a replacement tenant because no one will go to that area anymore. Um, The people, like if I have my, no longer have my business, then I no longer will have tenants. They'll start moving out because the things that sustain them are gone. You can't, if you can't buy Chinese groceries in the, you know, in this area, why pay those rents? You're going to move to some place that's cheaper. You're going to, uh, the real estate values, once they start going up, then I won't be able to pay my real estate taxes anymore. I mean, like, I'm not an economic expert by any means. I'm not an urban planner, but we just have to look at what happens around the country. Like, you don't need to ask me. There are plenty of studies around gentrification and how it happens and what happens. Oh, and so that's that what gentrification but, is. But gentrification usually happens in depressed areas, right? Chinatown is not a depressed area. The Chinatown is less, a wor- the least, Chinatown the is least, a working class, low income community. It is largely non English speaking. Ex- Understood. But the properties are all worth in excess of a million dollars. Are worth and the pro- it is not what That's people correct. bought them for. It is not what they're used to sustain. You know, we people have this misunderstanding that Chinatown, like Chinatown, had remember Chinatown was not a desirable area. The the properties were not expensive back in the day. Um, correct, but with new. With the increasing pressures, we have families living in Chinatown, like two, three families in a, in a, in a one family unit, because that's how you can afford to be there. But that's the sacrifice you're willing to make to be able to go someplace where you can work, where you can find medical care that you need in a language that people understand you with, where you can go to worship in churches, where you can go to school, where you can do any number of things as an immigrant community for survival. When those things are gone, I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. I'm not going to live there. The initial thing that will happen, especially during construction, is people will move out. And the folks that have owned those properties um, either recent buyers or, or in our part, in our uh, case for generations, will just like, why stay? There is no more, com- there's no community left. But it, we're talking about 41 nights a year, right? Um, and I, I want to make sure we understand. No, there are 41 the- basketball games a year. They are predicting 150 events. They want concerts. They want, you know, whatever. It's 150 events a year, which is also magical number making on their part. Um, Wells Fargo, they would have to create 50 new events in Philadelphia every year to justify, to to meet that number. And most people are saying, like, there's no way that they're going to get 50 more events a year. But it is 110 events a year. But that also leaves 220 days a year that it is dark. And you do believe that those 110 days a year will threaten the noodle house at 935? Yeah, of course it would. If you can't get in. I don't know if it's obvious. That's why I'm asking. (laughs) 
listen, people are not going to want to come down there with the congestion. And if you're non-English speaking, you're not going to sit next to the radio and try to figure out which days are congested and which days are not. You're, you're just going to not come anymore. Like, what's the point? I drive all the way down there and I can't find parking and I can't even get through the street. So why bother? Yeah, they're pretty congested now without. It is already congested. It is already, there are people that I know that don't go to Chinatown as much as they would because it is still hard to find parking. So the city's didn't doing these impact studies. And of course, you know, they're biased and the, they're not even doing their own traffic and parking study. They are using the developer's traffic and parking study, which is built around a number of assumptions that are unproven. But even that traffic study predicts that five intersections all around Chinatown will be going from a rating of B or C, which is by street traffic impact study language, that's an acceptable um, intersection blockage, B or C. They'll go to E or F. E or F, we're talking dead standstill, unacceptable. And that's their own study with their own assumptions that are meant to make all their numbers work. And even then, they couldn't make those numbers work. Speaking of study... I'm still looking for one, like a real one, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So are we. (laughs) I understand uh, CSL International is doing a study with, um, on behalf of PIDC. They're doing the economic impact study. And if you look online at CSL, um, you'll find that they are known for doing convention center and arena studies that uh, pretty regularly over over promise uh, income and are used a lot by arenas because they're used to justify their being built. Um, they do not have a good rep- reputation. Look on uh, Neil DeMouse's field of um, schemes blog. Uh, Neil writes pretty much on sports and sports development. Um, and he wrote a whole th- thing on CSL and how um, disreputable they are. But even more important, I think, of these studies, we in Chinatown requested an environmental impact study akin to the kind that would be required by federal government if it received federal funding or if it was being built on a historically designated site. We asked for that kind of study. Uh, We met with Councilmember Squilla. He promised us an impact study. And we specifically said of an environmental impact study of this kind, and he said, yes, you sh- we definitely should do that. And I remember distinctly, this was a Zoom call, and I said to him, geez, it feels really bad. I feel bad. I don't want to put this on the city. They're very expensive to do these studies. Um, and he said, no, 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 the developers can't pay for these studies because then it would be unfair. It has to be the city. So we're like, great. We go back, we get a collection of professionals, urban planners, architects, economists, um, professors who put together a request for proposals, an RFP for Chinatown. Like, this is the information that we are going to need 
um, to have to understand the impact of this arena on our community. We put together a very professionally done RFP. We send it to the city. We send it to Council Member Squilla. We send it to the city planning department. We send it to the mayor. And we said, this is the impact study. These are the impact studies that Chinatown needs. I'm sure you will need more for yourselves, but these are the ones that Chinatown needs. We wait, we hear nothing back. And three months later, Kenny announces, oh, we're going to do impact studies. And we're kind of shocked because we never got a response to what we submitted. We thought there would be a little bit of a dialogue, some back and forth. Um, We thought, oh, gee, I guess they're taking our thing wholesale. They announced that PIDC is doing them, not the city, which automatically puts our red flags up because their board members have a large, uh, have people that actually work for 76 DevCore, including eConsult. Lee Wong is on their board. So we're like, wait a minute, PIDC is set up to promote development and to support development in this city. How are they the right ones to do an impact study? We go on the website, we look at the RFPs, nothing related to what we put in, not a single thing related to what we put in. Um, We have, but in in city government, we have have these things, right? Ed Bacon ran one, it's called the Planning Commission. Yes. We have We have a city planning commission. Yes. We we act we have really top notch crackerjack traffic engineering engineers. Yes. And our planning committee that put together that impacts that uh, RFP included a former streets commissioner. So so where is their plan? Where's the planning commission? They on this. so where, they are doing where are the traffic engineers on this. They are doing these impact studies that are designed simply to justify the arena. All we have from this project are watercolor renderings, and you've seen them, I'm sure. That's that's the extent of the information. And then we have again pronouncements. We're going to bring in a billion dollars of taxes. Okay, show us the figures. How would you come up with that number? They won't show us. They won't they won't back up anything that they claim is going to happen. And so what's what are the Sixers uh, like proposing to bring back street life? Stores, more stores. As though th- it's not, already doesn't work. Right, so you're going to put another concrete block that'll be empty 220 days a year, and the 110 days that it's full, it's only going to be full for like three or four hours, and then you'll put a bunch of stores that will have no business. Unless we, unless there are thousands upon thousands of new residential units built, right on Market Street, which really on in Chinatown. That, or Chinatown, or on Market Street. That's that's the key to the but, success of East Market. No, well, I would I would argue against that. I invite you to go to D.C. We went to D.C. for a tour. We walked around what used to be Chinatown with former residents who explained how they were all forced to sell their properties. They couldn't afford to stay there anymore. And their community had been decimated, so there was no reason to stay anymore. Um, I saw what they did have was they had stores with Chinese signs in them, but those stores were Fuddruckers, Hooters, Bed Bath & Beyond. And by the way, every one of those businesses shut down after opening because there was not enough 
uh, vitality in that area to sustain even those chain uh, businesses. Yeah, but the They're all residents, shut down. I mean, e- economics and planning uh, pretty much tell us that if we increase the number of people who live in an area, uh, that, that will in fact sustain commercial activity, right? Not necessarily. It seems as though there is a push in City Hall, and if I, you know, if I'm to believe you, the planning commission's in the bag, the traffic engineers are in the bag, PIDC is in the bag. It sounds like there's a lot stacked up against um, a complete hard no on this. Does not the conversation about how to mitigate the negative impact on Chinatown have to start at some point that conversation or do you think you know you have a lot of support uh, the second ward democrats the first ward democrats 39a voters a lot of people who live regular folks not involved in government they support pushing back on 76 place is that enough to sustain you or should the conversation begin to shift why would we negotiate mitigation when we believe that this will destroy our community? There will be nothing to mitigate. So that is not something that, like, realistically, any of us could imagine going into because once you lose this fight, you lose the community. It's done. No, we, we, <laughs> there, it is not time to discuss mitigation because you can't mitigate uh, existence. What I am concerned about is that without things like the full financials and an explanation of all the the kind of magical numbers thinking behind this project, the city is going to be duped by like snake sellers, right? Like snake oil sellers. Um, I, I'm concerned about this more than just for Chinatown. I'm concerned about it in terms of how we envision the future of the city. Like, as you said, we used to have folks like Ed Bacon that would sit down, and I got my problems with Ed Bacon because, you know, he helped erase a lot of Chinatown. But at least there was an idea that for the public good, you needed to sit down and be thoughtful and not roll over on your back the first time someone with money comes over and says, I'm going to throw money at this. Um, We need to really look around the world at what cities are doing to revitalize post-COVID. And there are so many models of really... um, cutting edge revitalization efforts. And they are not replications of 1980s failed schemes of big concrete boxes in the downtown core. That is not how you revitalize a city. And I am not an urban planner, like, but I've read a lot about this stuff because of what's facing us. And I think our city deserves more from its government and it deserves more from uh, from all of us in terms of how we rebuild um, our city to be a city that actually is built uh, for the people that live here and capitalizes on what we have to offer that the cities don't, that the suburbs don't have to offer. And and I think that that's a really good point, Debbie, you know, because 
for folks who may be on the fence on this issue, right? Uh, they may hear your, you know, calls about cultural genocide and sort of be like, well, that's, that's kind of a bit much, but okay. And that's, that's your opinion. Uh, and, and you have every right to have it. But the bigger picture is, is this even like the smart way to develop Market Street, you know? And, uh, and I think that's a conversation that's getting lost in this. Maybe it's because the way Adelman and those guys have fumbled the rollout. Maybe it's because of the, the cries about um, uh, displacement for profit and predatory development and cultural genocide of a neighborhood. But I think a large majority of Philadelphians just want Market Street to be developed right. What are some of your ideas and thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's funny because again, I keep, I, I think this might be the third or fourth time I've said I'm not an urban planner, but people. Right. Keep you said you're saying, not an economist. You said you're not an economist, but you know the stores are going to close. You're not an urban planner, but you know this isn't going to work. And that's cool. Yeah. But give us the vision. And give us the vision. So people have asked us that. And I do have a vision. Big, tangible, a public school because our schools, we desperately need schools that don't have asbestos and actually can air condition. And we've just spent $400 million renovating that space. So repurposing the space makes a lot more sense to me. What they've done in cities like like uh, Knoxville, a few other cities around the country, Atlanta maybe, I, gotta, I have to go back and look at my notes, um, is that they've taken downtown walls and they've repurpose them for multi-purpose use. So if the city is renting offices somewhere, put them in that space. If there are arts and culture groups that philanthropy is supporting to pay rent somewhere, put them in that space. You know, if we had dance companies and, um, you know, musical groups whose headquarters were there and they were teaching classes and people, wow, this is the only place in this region where I couldn't come down and learn, I don't know, Irish step dance or, or African dance or, um, you know, Indonesian gamelan, whatever it is, you know, like here's the center for where that stuff happens. Here's the center where small artists and locally based, uh, folks can sell things, um, where you have, a things like a Bobby's bookstore downtown where people can go. You have a food court that's really much like Flushing, New York, which is full of, you know, little mom and pop shops that specialize. Like we go up to Flushing just to eat, my family, and we have a whole itinerary. You go to this mall to get the Uyghur lamb skewers, and then you go over to that mall to get the, you know, like it's there's whole economies built around um, you just look at the vibrancy of Reading Terminal, right? Like small, yeah, but local those but those rents are businesses. those rents are crazy, right? Those rents at Reading Terminal, right? Are, and that's are crazy. why I'm saying you do this for the public good. Um, they took so, so you, three quarters. So, so you they wanna... took they took twenty five to forty percent of Chinatown by eminent domain. Like they could do that again. It's going bankrupt anyway. Like I, I, all I am saying is that we require a way of looking at our city that is different than in the past. We require that we look at our city for the public good and for 
um, vibrancy and revitalization built on both our strengths and on the people who actually live here and invest their you know their life in this city we it require that it be a city where generations want to stay that's the uniqueness of chinatown it's one of the few true communities that are left in this city where people know each other where it's built on memories and relationships you walk down the street and everybody knows each other um you look out for each other you look out for each other's kids like that's what Philly used to be. We used to be a city of neighborhoods, um, yeah. and, and that's we somewhat. We are still somewhat. Not not uh, like well, it used I, to be. I think. I want to. I want to set aside the idea that public schools and nonprofit arts groups and dance companies could actually be sustainable on East Market Street, which is the commercial center of of that part of Philadelphia. It, I'll set that the, aside for a it's moment. It's not the commercial center anymore. It isn't the well, commercial t- center anymore. Don't tell that to Giant Foods and Heirloom uh, Market and, and Wanamakers and uh, Macy's. I mean, they they want it to be uh, uh, and continue to be. How they, about the folks that just built across the street? Several the, thousand units. Well, that's housing, but that's not. I'm you. You just said commercial and commercial right, commercial mixed use. Yeah, Macy's is is probably not going to last. I'm just going to say. I just have a very different vision of what it takes to revitalize. And to me, diversity is a strong factor in that revitalization. Diversity isn't just race, um, but there's class diversity. There's all kinds of different diversity that that make cities interesting. Um, and that, well, that battles the homogenization. We're trying to, the problem is that like everyone's trying to homogenize the world. Like, oh, let's put a Chipotle here. Let's put a Panda Express here. And that'll be our diversity. Like that is not, that's not <laughs> what's going to be saving us as a city. Chinatown is a neighborhood, even though it is, you know, commercial mixed use. It is, like you said, it's a neighborhood. Yep. And in a neighborhood, things change, right? Uh, no neighborhood uh, can be inoculated from the ebb and flow of urban change. That's right. And I, you weren't yep. suggesting that. Is that correct? Listen, we changed. In the footprint of what would have been the baseball stadium, we've built a FAC charter school, which is a blue ribbon charter school became a Blue Ribbon School in just five or six years of its existence. We built the Asian Arts Initiative, the Hoyu Arts and Cultural Center, the Chinese Christian Church put an annex in there, um, PCDC just opened the crane. All of that what is in the footprint of what would have been the stadium. And all of it has been built in the 20 years since we defeated that proposal. So I'm not saying we don't change, but we change in a way that benefits the community. Right. We, that we, makes shouldn't, perfect sense. we shouldn't have to be displaced in order to change. Good point. Uh, speaking of changes, the Crosstown Expressway, the Vine Street Expressway, uh, really tore Chinatown, um, you know, a, a big gash in the northern part of Chinatown. Now there's talk about the stitch, reconnecting. Um, Chinatown proper with those parts north by 
covering over portions of the Vine Street Expressway. Mm-hmm. If there is, if there are pressures to the south with this proposed 76 place, would the stitch provide some relief for some growth? The stitch would provide some wonderful green space. It's welcoming. Wonderful green space. You can't build on that because it's, you know, it's over an expressway, right? Like it's just right. a little cover. But, you'd be, but, but you would be able to, at least um, pedestrians would be able to physically connect yeah, I mean, I mean we've already grown into that. That's all those things that I just named, they're all north of Vine. Right. Because that's where the baseball stadium was. Would it make it a nicer commute like walk? Absolutely. Do uh, would would any community deserve to have some green in it? Absolutely. Like don't forget Chinatown has been like many other low income areas in the city kind of disinvested in by the city. That's why we have a charter school instead of a public school. There's no public school in Chinatown, no post office, no public health center, no library, no park. No, well, we none of that. Old, that. That old roundhouse of the police. Uh, yeah, that's that was great. Yeah. That would, that, would, <laughs> that That's an empty building now, and that would be uh, perhaps a wonderful place to put things like a health center and a public school and all the amenities that um, – Chinatown so desperately still needs. And when you say uh, your the land, it was taken by eminent domain. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And the the property owners were paid. I'm sure a pittance, but they were paid for the property, right? Uh, yeah. Except that many of those properties were maybe had owners, but were occupied by tenants, and those tenants were forced to relocate outside of the community, and in some cases. They actually left the city um, and and even left the country. I think past pro- broken promises probably plays in uh, a, a plays a large part in you know collective skepticism uh, on seventy six place. Wouldn't you say that? That and the fact that again, there is no other place for Asian Americans. It's not like, oh, let's get rid well, of Chinatown, I'm, but there's another place over here. There, well, there there's is lo- no. large swaths of Washington Avenue that would probably that disagree have businesses, with you. but they are not a community like Chinatown is. Mark Squilla, your council person, when we interviewed with him last season, he said he was confident that there could be some sort of accord between the parties. Do you see that? Given, uh, give, given that you, you really do consider this the end of Chinatown if it's built, could think, there ever be an accord? I think he was hoping, but I don't think that that will happen. And I think lately he's been saying, because he did say at a community meeting, well, if the community doesn't want it, it's not going to happen. And now he's saying, well, I didn't say community. I said communities. Um Though I will say that there are a large number of civic organizations who've started to speak out that they don't want it either. People in the city are not bamboozled by this. They're not like enamored of this proposal. It's not just that they want to save Chinatown. It's that they see this as like a really dumb idea for the city. Really dumb idea. And if the city really wanted to th- sort of figure this out, they would slow everything down 
And they would say, who knows? Maybe, like, I don't believe it, but who knows? Maybe the arena would be a good thing for this area of the city. But unless you slow this down and do your own due diligence and study, who's ever going to know that? They're fast-tracking this to meet the developer's timeline. And that's really not okay. Like you don't do that to the people of the city. You do your that's due, not the way you plan. You yeah, do your due diligence. Not, you do yeah. your careful, thoughtful due diligence on behalf of the people of this city. If this is even going to be considered, it should be part of a larger master exactly. plan for East Market yep. Street. Yep. We Absolutely. can certainly agree on that. Um, and we are working on having uh, a series of charrettes. Um, and again, we shouldn't have to do this. Chinatown should not be the people doing this. Well, um, that's that's my that was going to be my follow up point. It's it's a it's a crime that there hasn't been one in place already. A master plan. I mean, now now that you have to go through the trouble of having these charrettes, and I was involved in the ones on the Delaware Water River front thirty five years ago. Uh, it's exhausting. It is. And we're all volunteers, by the way. We've been fighting this for a year and a half, and we're all volunteers. And they have more money than God. So they have PR people that they hire. They have their lawyers. They have their this. They have their that. And we have us. Um, But our folks, with the support of uh, some professors at University of Pennsylvania, are trying to organize a series of charrettes that can really help the people of Philadelphia come together and and start to vision what's possible. Let's all hope proper planning principles prevail on East Market Street so that uh, Chinatown is with us for another 150 years. Thank you so much. Debbie, thank you. Debbie Way, thank you so much for joining us today on Philly Built. A very lively conversation, and um, thank you again for your time. Okay, thanks for having me, Bert. Well, that's our show for today, folks, and we really hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check us out next time. Until then, visit phillyzoning.com if you have any issues or questions about zoning in Philadelphia. Until then, on behalf of Joey Sweeney and myself, happy holidays from Philly Bill.